Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody, welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. How many feeling good today? Yeah. Feeling good, man? You know, uh, a couple, uh, Christmas Eve, actually, the Cowboys played at 3.30, right in the middle of one of our services, and so I called Jerry, and you notice the last couple of weeks when the, when the game is? Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Hey, before I dive into the message, um, young adults, if you're in the ages of 18 to 28, let me put something on the screen. We got uh, Soul Align coming up uh, on uh, Friday, uh, January 27th, right here at the Frisco East. So all of our campuses coming together here at East. If you're 20, uh, or 18 to 28, love to have you. If you feel like sometimes your faith is stuck and you just don't know how to move past maybe your past or, or maybe uh, a, a certain challenge that you're facing right now, or, or maybe it's just a desert, spiritual desert. You just don't feel God. You know, we're in worship and it's like, he is one. And, and you're just like, yeah, whatever. Well, this would be a great time for you to just uh, realign yourself, your soul, uh, to the Lord. And so that's uh, January 27th, Friday. Um, here at the East, you can just scan that real quick. They'll keep this on the screen even while I'm talking. And you can scan that and you can register. There's going to be food and, and drinks and stuff. So we'd love, love to have you for that. Now, uh, the last several weeks, we've been, uh, since the beginning of the year, uh, in a series called Revival. Now, depending on your church background, if you have a church background, uh, that word can mean different things. Uh, and so what we're, you know, talking about this, this month is what does that look like here in our lives, here at Hope? You may have experienced revival in many different ways in the church that you grew up in. Um, or not. Maybe you didn't experience that at all. You don't even know what the word means. Let me give you a good, well, I say a good definition. This is my definition. There are many of them, but let me give you what I, when I think of revival, this is what I think of. Here's the definition. When a group of believers simultaneously, and, and again, that's an important word. I know I say that every week, but the, the, a group of believers at the same time, it's one thing for pockets of people to just say, Lord, I want you to have all my life. I want to surrender all my life. I'm I want you to be the Lord and, and so forth. But it's when a group of people, and that's when movements happen, uh, not just in an area, but maybe even in the United States. And we've had many revivals in the United States that we've talked about that. But when a group of believers simultaneously ask God for a supernatural transformation of their lives. In other words, you remember, we just said get a chalk, uh, a piece of chalk and draw a circle around you and ask for revival in that circle. It's, it's, re, it's really easy to, to look at other people's lives and say, hey, God, you need to move in their lives. Or maybe even your spouse, look straight ahead, but your spouse maybe needs revival. And, and you're like, man, God, get a hold of them because um, they need you. I'm sick of them or whatever. Well, why don't you first draw a circle around you and say, God, would you move in me? Would you transform my heart supernaturally? And what that brings in our lives is conviction, contrition, which means humility. It just means, Lord, I, I, I've been living my way, and now I want to live your way. And I am sorry that I've wasted my time, right? I've wasted my years. Conviction, contrition, and repentance of sin, a renewed awareness of God's presence. In other words, when we're, sing, we're singing whatever that, I love that second song. It's, it's my new favorite one, uh, the, the, the I Speak Jesus 
and and you know when when you're asking God to transform and when you're asking God to move in your heart it's hard to sing those songs and, and just not feel anything right and, and we don't go by feelings we talked about that last week we go by faith we go by truth not by feelings because when you feel something you don't always feel something you may be here today and you're just like I don't feel anything and that's okay we, we go by truth and by faith but there will be a renewed sense of God's presence when you ask him to transform your life. And then a hunger for God's word, getting into his word, a compassion for those who are not yet believers, and a humility to love and serve the body of Christ. So when I think of revival, this is what I think of. Now over the last few weeks, week one I talked about this, but week one we talked about returning to God. Many of us, uh, we looked at some of the passages in, in the book of Revelation, we've lost our first love. Maybe we've spent years away from him and it's time to return to him. Week two, we talked about a refreshing of our spiritual lives and, and actually that was last week and, and we opened the church up uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. for you to just come and pray anytime and many of you were able to do that. Some of you couldn't because of work or kids but man, it was such a great time just to be still, not to be led in prayer, not to be led in worship, but just to come in an auditorium in all of our campuses and, um, and just pause for a minute out of the busyness of our lives. It's a refreshing of our souls, refreshing spiritually. And then today, I want to talk about restoring our passion for people. Now, many of us, um, if we were honest, uh, we could honestly probably live on an island by ourselves and be totally fine, right? Right? Because people, when you add somebody to the mix, problems, right? And, and by this time in your life, you're probably sick of the problem. You're probably sick of that. And you're like, you know what? I'm good. Just give me an island with food, and I'm all good. And, and Netflix, and I am good, <laughs> Right? Um, and, and over the last three years of, of the COVID, the racial, the political, that's exasperated some of us to the point of like, yeah, I, I'm not joking. I'm laughing, but I'm not joking. I would like to be by myself uh, or my family and us, and that's it. And everybody, get out of my life. Well, how many know that that's not God's heart? that as exasperated as he has been, and you look through scripture, Old Testament, um, the, just the frustration of God because his people continually rebel, and, and that's us too, we continually rebel, we continually go our own way, and, and it's just frustrating, right? But God didn't give up on us, and today I wanna talk about restoring our passion for people. Now, we've been uh, looking at uh, the early church in the book of Acts. When Jesus died, he died on the cross, he was resurrected, and then he ascended to heaven. And he left the disciples uh, this saying in Acts chapter 1. And, and this saying would be an earmark of revival in the early church. And it's Acts 1.8, and here's, here's what it says. Here's what Jesus says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and listen to this, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This is right here, this is the heart of Jesus. When the power of the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, sometimes we concentrate on other languages, we concentrate on the gifts of the Spirit, we focus on those things, and, and, and that's okay, those things are, 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 are with it, but the earmark of revival or, or the heart of revival in the early church was that they would tell people about me everywhere. 
Matthew 28, Jesus ended his earthly ministry to his disciples saying these words, saying it like this, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the, known as the Great Commission, that disciples and, and us, we, that's why we do missions all over the world. That's why we've been in Bangladesh, Africa, and, and, and wherever. And we've been all over the world, South America, doing the work of the Lord, spreading the gospel. That's what he told us to do. And it's not just church commission, it's our commission that we would go and make disciples, that we would tell him or tell about him to all of our friends and, and so forth. And now you can do that in a right way and you can do that in a wrong way. We're going to talk about that today. Jesus, again, in Luke 4, he spent 40 days fasting and praying. He was tempted by the enemy. You remember this? And then right after that, he goes into a synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, and he picks up a scroll. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 4. This would become mission, uh, Jesus' mission statement. Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Now, this is his mission statement. Even though he was quoting Isaiah, this was written for him. And Jesus is vocally saying, this is why I'm here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Not the financial poor, although that they would be included, of course, spiritually. Those who are poor in spirit. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Not prisoners in prison, spiritual captives. That the blind will see, not the physical blind, although they would see the spiritual blind, the spiritually blind, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor, his grace, has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes, right? They're looking at him in the synagogue. They're looking at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. And the scripture you've just heard, this is what he says, has been fulfilled this very day. In other words, this is what Jesus is saying. This is why I'm here, to preach the good news to the poor to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open blind eyes, and, and again, spiritually speaking, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim that the time of the Lord's favor, this is actually in Jewish custom called Jubilee. And it's a time of forgiveness of debt. And, and Jesus is, is, is announcing that, hey, the debt of sin, the debt of our mistakes are going to be paid. The time of the Lord's favor is here. This is his mission. Many times when he's talking to Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the little tax collector guy, and he goes to his house and he says, in that, in that conversation with Zacchaeus, he says, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. In Luke 15, when the religious leaders are really frustrated with Jesus because he hangs out with sinners. Yeah, I mean, this is a re real reason why they're frustrated because he's hanging out with tax collectors, prostitutes, 
notorious sinners. I'm re, I'm, I mean, I'm actually quoting exact verse. They were ticked off at him because he spent so much time with them. And, he's like, and they're like, this is not good. He should not be spending time with these people. And then Jesus tells them three stories right in a row. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, the prodigal son. Why? Because he's expressing his heart that people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. Those who are out there struggling and challenged by the, the weight or the cares of life, they matter to him. And he tells the story and he, and he, and he just looks at the, the religious leaders and he, and, he's, and he doesn't say this verbatim, but if, 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 if I can read his mind, this is what he was saying. He goes, guys, you don't get it, guys. I didn't come for this, the well people. I didn't come for people who think they're righteous. I've come for those who know they need help. And that's all of us. Our mission statement here at Hope, if you haven't read it, if you don't know it, here's why we exist. Inviting everyone to follow Jesus. That includes everyone from California that's here. We love you. We love you. You know, I give California a hard time. You know I love you. I love California. I'll be there this summer riding my motorcycle all around California. So it's awesome. I love you. Inviting everyone to follow Jesus and helping them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. This is a dual thing. Go and make disciples. It's all inclusive. It's not just, hey, go tell people. It's go and make disciples. It's a, it's a both and. Inviting everyone to follow Jesus and then disciple them and help them move to the center of God's purpose for their life. You've heard me say this over a thousand times at Hope, at least in the 23 years since we started the church in, in January of 2000. You've heard this over a thousand times, and that's this. If lost people matter to God, they should matter to us. They should matter to us. So today, that's what I, I, I want to just help us restore maybe some of the frustration, or, or not restore the frustration, but kind of get rid of that frustration that we've had and restore our passion um, for quotes like that, that lost people, if they matter to God, then they should matter to me. As, 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 as much as I may disagree with someone in this world, as much as I don't like what they're doing or, or we don't like what the world's doing or, or the way that they're going, that we understand God's heart for God so loved the world. He doesn't hate the world, guys. He doesn't hate Democrats. He doesn't hate Republicans. He doesn't hate Russia or China or whoever God so loved the world. And that's the heart, guys, that, that, that he calls us. We talk about revival. One of the most important things about the early church that turned the world upside down, the early church, first century, changed the world. Why? Because people mattered to them. So how do we... How do we get this passion? How do we restore this passion, um, making lost people matter to us? And, and, I, and I'm not just being funny, but there are a lot of us that are just, you know, sick of it. We're just like, you know what? They can go to, you know what? I don't care. I am tired of it. I'm, you know, and we can list the things that we're tired of. And like, can I tell you what? I get it. I understand. But that's not what God's called us to do, and that's not who he's called us to be. 
People matter to God. Lost people, found people, uh, struggling people. Everyone matters to God. Everyone. So how do we get, how do we make a, a difference in, in this world? How do we, in this revival talk, returning to God, refreshing our own lives, and then turning that outside, it's, it's, the, it's the greatest uh, commandment. Love God, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. The great, Jesus was asked, what's the best thing that we can do? What is the greatest commandment that we could keep? And he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And when he qualified neighbor, they asked him, hey, what do, what do you mean my neighbor? The people you disagree with, the people you don't like. And he gave the story of the Good Samaritan. This is a hard message, but, but I hope that you'll re- open your hearts and I, and I hope that you, we, together, will just restore our passion, our mission for lost people, the reason why we're here. The first thing, let me just go quick. Making lost people matter to us. The first thing is the way that we live. Now, th- I think this is important, the way that we live. Uh, Matthew chapter five, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this about us. He says, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It adds flavor. Now, some of you are salt people. I'm a salt person. And, and sometimes to a fault, sometimes I get my food and I don't even taste it. I just put salt on it. Right? I mean, I just, I like the kind that you turn around and, 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 and um, you know, you turn. I love that kind. The pepper, I love that kind. Now, some of you aren't salt people. I am. I, I, if you give me a choice between sweets and salt, I'm going to take salt, chips, healthy ones, right? So don't send me an email about how, John, you need to watch your health. Shut up. Okay, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt? Listen to this. What good is it if its salt has lost its flavor? So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, I put you on the, on the earth to add flavor to it. I, I've, I put you on the earth so that you would be attractive to the world, not repelled, not repelling the world. Not they look at you and go, nope, don't want any of that but that we are salt. You can't make it salty again. It's, it's worthless. It's trampled underfoot. is worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, listen, let your good deeds, see, I'm talking about the way that we live. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that when they see your life, when they see the way that we live, They'll give praise to the Lord and they'll be drawn in by by the love that we have and the love that God has for us, the love that he has for them. And and through our love, he's chosen to work through us. The way that this works is is through our love. People are like, wow, praise God. I mean, what do you have? What, What is it that you are doing? I like that. First Peter chapter two, verse 11 says it this way. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Listen to this. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. So again, we're talking about the way that we live. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Let me put it on the screen like this to maybe just kind of bring it home. The way we live will determine our influence in the lives of people who are far from God. The way that we live 
will determine the influence that we have. And I want you to just think about family members that maybe you have that are far from God and, and, and how, how do we live around them? Are we self-righteous, judgmental, condescending? You know what I'm saying? When they, look, when they come around and we just kind of look down on them because they're not quite where we are or they're not you know, right with God or not in church or you know, whatever the case is, or do they love being around us? Do they love coming to our home? First Thessalonians, one more scripture on this and we'll go on to number two. This is an important one. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Oh, let's say that again, right, as believers. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. How about we say that again? Minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before, and then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. And, you're not, and this is a dual thing he's talking about. He's, he's talking about, you know, hey, work. Don't be lazy. Do, your, do work so that you're not counting on or, or, you know, having to depend on somebody. But the important thing about this is that the people who are not yet believers will respect the way you live, that we live. So important that the way we live determines our influence in this world. Number two, number one, the way we live. Number two, the way we share. When I saw, I'm not talking about sharing, you know, here you can have my biscuit and, and whatever. I'm talking about the way that we talk, the way that we share our faith. Remember Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere the way that we share. First Peter chapter three, he reminds us again, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now let me just stop there just for a second. You don't have to be a theologian to give an explanation of why you serve or why you follow Jesus. I think we've overcomplicated this. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't, you don't have to, you know, understand everything there is about dinosaurs and where they come from and is the earth 6,000 years old or is it a million years old or 15 million years old or 100 billion years old? Who cares? Doesn't matter. I know I just said something. Okay, I shouldn't have said that. It doesn't matter to me how old this earth is. And let me just say, anyway, I won't even go there. What was I saying? You don't have to be or have a Bible degree to have an explanation of your faith. What has Jesus done in your life? And when somebody asks you, you tell them, here's where I was, here's where I am. My life is not perfect, but holy cow, I have peace. There's a joy, there's, I, I've been forgiven, and I have the promise of life abundant here, but also eternal life. Anyway, we give an explanation. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Now that's the part I really wanted to hone in on. Because over the years, it, I think if we were to be honest, people who are not yet believers or people who are not accepting of, of Christ, let's say atheist or agnostic, what they see out of the church is pride, arrogance, judgmental, condescending. And, and what Peter says is but do this in a gentle and respectful way, not in a prideful, haughty way way, looking down on others, that's what, that's, again, that's the secret sauce of Jesus, is that he hung out with Matthew and his tax-collecting friends. 
that when the prostitute was brought before him, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the secret sauce of Jesus is that he did it in a kind and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what good life you live because you belong to Christ. Let me tell you, tell you spiritual pride always loses. When we come across as better than, as your or somebody else is less than, guys, we lose. The kingdom loses. Because how many understand, it is only by the grace of God that any of us are where we are. It's only by his grace that, that I am where I am, you are, and I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. And yet we hold other people to this like big standard like, hey, you better live like I live. You better believe like I live. You better vote like I vote. And it's, and it's arrogant. And it's prideful. And so I think it's important to ask ourselves a few questions. How do we share in our, in our responses in, in challenging times? Now let me just get into our business just a bit. But over the last couple of years, Christians have had a hard time with this. We, we've gotten angry, you know, masks, vaccine, uh, voting, uh, racial, whatever, and we're protective and we're like, oh, we're angry, angry. It's a test. I'm not saying that God caused COVID. I'm just saying that it's been a test of how do we respond in challenging times? When the world looks at us, when people on the outside look at us, how do we look? How do we respond? And I'm, you know I was going to throw this in here, but our post on social media, I mean, what is that like? Is it arrogant? Is it prideful? Is it judgmental? Is it condescending? And I know it's quiet, but it's true. Guys, when our, listen to this, when our, in, when our opinions matter more than our influence, there's a problem. When our opinions matter more than our influence in this world, we have missed the heart of God. Doesn't mean that we don't have opinions. It doesn't mean that we, we can't vote or, and we can't work hard at, at, at getting involved, in whatever God calls you to get involved with. But I'm just saying that our posts on social media, are we demeaning people? Are we making fun of people? Are we praying for our president? Or are we making fun? Or, you know, so stuff like that. So, so this matters how we share. Our, conviction, our conversations in every way. See, all of these things are, are ways in which we share Jesus. It's not only the way we live, but it's how we talk. It's the way that we share. Now, number, th number three, it is, oh, oh, I forgot this. When we share the gospel in love and grace, its power is in full effect. Okay, so, so the way that we share, the way that, that we communicate, when we share that in love and grace, the gospel has its full effect, its power. When we share with pride and arrogance, we get in the way. And we actually detract from what God is really trying to do in other people. Does that make sense? So number three, we've got to move on. Making lost people matter God is the way that we pray, the way that we live, the way that we share, and the way that we pray. This is an important one to me. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 4. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy, his young pastor. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, 
intercede on their behalf and, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Listen to this. Who wants everyone to be saved and, and, and to understand the truth? See, this is why we pray. That's why we pray for leaders. We, we pray for our, our president. We pray for our governor. We pray for those in authority over us. Uh, we may not agree, but we pray. We pray that God would give, and not in a bad way. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm praying all right. You know, it's like, okay, well, is that the right attitude? It matters. It really does. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says it this way, Brother, my heart, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. So over the years, since uh, I think it was 03 or 04, right before we had our first building on this property, a little tiny building, 15,000 square feet, uh, we finished it in, in 05, or uh, we got in it in January of 05. Uh, but before then, in the groundbreaking here at our campus, we were meeting at Kurtzinger Elementary, and we, we chartered buses, and we brought all the people over to this um, property, and we prayed over the property. Okay, that's what a groundbreaking is. And I gave everybody there a, a coffee cup with a lid, and, and we put the soil of this land in the coffee cup. And I, and I just said, hey, right on the outside of that coffee cup, names of people in your life who you know are not yet believers, people who are far from God, family members, co-workers, friends uh, at school, you know, whoever. And then over the years, we have done, I don't know, a dozen or so, maybe more than that, I've given you dominoes, I've given you tree rings, I've given you cards, I've given you keys, I've given you a, a t quite a few things where you just write the initials or names of people that you're praying for who are far from God. And today, I, want, I just want to continue that tradition because I, I really do believe this, that when you pray for someone that you're not happy with, you ever done this? You ever prayed for somebody that, that you're just like ticked at? that level of anger kind of goes down and your level of love for them goes up. That's why Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And when you pray for somebody, that level of love and compassion goes up. And that's what I believe when, when, when uh, Paul says to Timothy, he says, pray for everyone because God wants everyone to be saved. Pray for them. And Paul in Romans says, hey, it's my prayer that they would all be saved. Guys, there are people in your life right now that you don't even know it. They're watching you. They're watching me. Not in some kind of weird perfection way like we have to measure up perfectly, but they're watching us. How we live. How we share. And one of the reasons why people are attracted to Jesus is because of the way that we live and the way that we share and the way that we pray. So when you came in, hopefully you received a cloth. Looks like this. It doesn't look like this. It may be purple. It may be blue. It may be yellow. It may be white. It may be whatever. I want you to get that out. Would you? If, you, if you received one, if you didn't, get one on the way out. Now, in the book of Acts, let me explain this just for a second. In the book of Acts, um, 
Paul the Apostle was on his missionary journeys, and, and, and he was just a powerful guy. I mean, in those early days, the disciples, the apostles, there, was a, there were a lot of things that they, they did that were uh, powerful. And one of those was Paul would pray for people. They would be healed of diseases, and he'd cast out demons and so forth. Well, one of the stories in Acts is that people would just get a piece of, piece of cloth and they would let it touch Paul. Not that Paul was Jesus or anything like that, but the power was so great that this cloth would touch him and that that cloth was laid on somebody who was sick, they would get healed. Crazy, right? How many know some people in your life that need to be spiritually healed? And you may not like them right now. You may be on the other side of the political fence. You may be on the other side of faith or whatever reason. But I want to encourage you to, and I've written some names. You can just take a Sharpie. Get home and, and a Sharpie will work. Even on the dark colors, the Sharpie will work. And you just write the names or initials of people that you're praying for. And I'll pray for more. I, I just These are just the ones that I, off the top of my head I, I threw down there. But I want you to take, when you get home sometime, and put this where you see it, maybe on, on your sink when you're getting ready or tape it to your mirror or whatever. And as you see it, I just want you to just remember to pray. Pray for those people. And over the years, those cups and dominoes and paint sticks and cards and keys and all kinds of things that I've given you, can I just tell you how many people that I've prayed for on one of those things have given their lives to Jesus? It's been unbelievable. It's, it's the most... Um, satisfying thing I've ever done is praying for people far from God and then watch God work. So I want you to take this cloth and I want you to just write some names down and maybe invite them to join you for a service. Maybe invite them to have lunch and if, if the Lord comes up, if faith comes up, great. If Holy Spirit doesn't offer that opportunity, then, then fine. But begin to pray for somebody. And I promise you this, not only their hearts may change, but your heart will. And our hearts expand. Many of us are like the Grinch. We got little hearts. And we would like to be on an island by ourselves. But as you pray for people, that heart just begins to grow. Guys, this is a big part of revival is that our hearts would grow compassionate towards all people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. The way that Jesus walked on this earth, the way that he lived, the way that he shared. And we pray for those people. And if you're here today, um, I, I think it's important that you know that God's not mad at you. Maybe you've heard that in church all your life. You just, you know, it's been kind of a hard type of preaching. And again, I, I stand for truth. We're going to preach the word. But maybe you kind of got that feeling that God is mad at you. God's mad at everybody. He's just ready to whack us over the head every time we do something wrong. Can I just tell you that Jesus, the new covenant, the new testament, Jesus took upon himself that wrath the anger of God he took upon himself so that when God looks at the world, when he looks at us, there is God so loved the world 
And if you're here today, maybe you're far from God. Maybe you're watching online and you're home or listening in the car or in a hotel room or whatever. Maybe you're at another campus. But you found yourself here today. Can I just tell you, there are no accidents. God loves you. God desires to have a relationship with you. And if you'll just surrender your life to him and just say, hey, you know what? I believe. I'm not just doing this because I'm having a hard time. I believe that you lived the life that I could not live and you paid the price that I could not pay on the cross and you rose again. And I put my faith in who you are, Jesus. And I surrender my way to your way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. If you're here today and you're far from God, I want to invite you to take that step today. And if you're a believer in the room, how about we pray for the Lord to restore our passion for people. Lord, we love you and you're so, you're so good to us. You've, you've changed our lives and, and, and in many ways we're here today only because of you. By the grace of God, we are here and, and Lord, we thank you for that. God, I pray for all of my friends that are in this room or watching and they're far from you for whatever reason, disillusioned by church, mad at you for not answering a prayer, but they're here today and there's a reason. It's because you love us and you love them. And I pray for everybody in this room that needs to take a step of surrender. God, we ask that your kingdom really would come and that your will really would be done in our lives and our hearts as it is in heaven. As we pray for those people on our cloth far from you, may it be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.